Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast. If you're already doing so, thank you and tell your friends to do so as well. Besides nhte.net, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. The show is on a whole bunch more, though, so don't despair if you don't see your favorite one on there. Look for this show almost anywhere that you get podcasts. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player, publisher, and producer who has had songs played on the Today Show on NBC as well as on Fox Sports. He holds major publishing deals in every country in the world, garnering over 120 songs cut, including four number one songs on the Americana and Independent charts, six top 40 on Billboard and Independent charts, and songs in major movies and documentaries. He is currently recording his fourth studio album, set for release next year, and he has and is currently writing, performing, producing, and touring with artists that include Three Doors Down, Cowboy Troy, Mickey James, and many more. You've been hearing a song of his entitled Inner Peace. It's my pleasure to welcome to now hear this entertainment, Sean Gassaway. Hey Bruce, happy holidays. Thank you, Sean. Same to you. Appreciate you making time to do this. Absolutely, man. It's an honor to be here on your show. Cool. Well, let's start off by having you tell the listeners all about that song of yours that we were just playing called Inner Peace. Uh, man, it's a song that I'm super proud of. I was in Louisiana uh, in March of 2019 at a festival, a uh, songwriters festival. Uh, and along with playing, I was one of the presenters. I was doing a seminar on independent publishing and record label ownership. And uh, during the seminar, uh, there were a couple of veterans from California, Mike Riccio and Daniel Camzen. And uh, after the seminar, we got together, uh, just meeting. Everybody was mingling, and uh, they approached me, Mike and Daniel did, and said, hey, man, uh, we heard that you uh, write with veterans and PTSD sufferers and wounded warriors as part of their therapy. And I said, yes, sir, I'm part of uh, several groups uh, that do that, including Operation Song, uh, which is a group I'm very proud to be a part of, as well as many others. So they asked me if uh, if I had some time during the festival that I could sit down with them and, and let me hear their story about what they went through. Both of them are uh, wounded warriors, both suffer from PTSD as well. Mm. And so uh, uh, we went out in the middle of the swamp. And, and when I say I say that, I don't mean just giving you an idea of what it looked like. I mean, we were literally in the middle of the swamp in South Louisiana, like 10 feet from where we were sitting, writing and talking to one another was a bayou, cypress knees, uh, the mossy trees, alligators (laughs) coming by down the bayou. I mean, it was literally, that's where we were sitting. It was so cool. And uh, Dan and Michael started telling me about their story. And we sat there for about 30 minutes as I was listening to both of them and they were good friends 
And so uh, their stories were similar. I think they even served together a little bit. And so when they got out uh, of the military, they continued to stay friends and work together. And so they've been really close for a long time. So their stories and their experiences were about the same. But the one thing that really struck out to me that really stood out uh, is one of them said, we might have won our battles while we were there, but it feels like we've lost our inner peace. Mm. And I was like, man, what a statement. I was like, you know what? That's going to be the song. That's what we're going to write this song about. And and I'm a, I'm a true believer in uh, myself being, you know, not only a songwriter, but God uses my ability to get stories out to heal people. I truly believe that because uh, a lot of th- a lot of things that I write, it's just I'm not smart enough to write, to be honest <laughs> with you. And so uh, so I'm used as a vessel to get the word out on what the Lord needs people to hear, you know, and I accept it and, and I've accepted it for a long time. And so as soon as as soon as they said, we lost our inner peace and we was like, man, what a great idea for a song. It was like the whole song just poured out of me in front of them. We had our iPhones and, and our telephones out typing lyrics and I had my guitar out strumming this melody and singing. And, and like 30 minutes later, their story was there mm. in a song. And, uh, you know, sometimes it, you can write a song in just a few minutes. Sometimes it takes days, years, you know, it don't matter. But in this situation, like 30 minutes later, we had this song, you know, and right before we started writing, I asked them, I was like, what's your favorite music? And he's like, rock. And I was like, okay, I cut my teeth in rock, even though I'm known for country music and, and other genres uh, that I've written in. Uh, that's where I kind of started. My thing was in rock uh, back in the 80s and 90s. And I was like, well, what's your favorite bands? And they said, Disturbed, Five Finger Death Punch. They started naming all these rock bands. And I'm like, you know what? I think we can write something in that vein, but keep the story to where it's your story. And so that's what it ended up being is like a, a really heavy rock song idea. And I recorded it on my phone, just me and my guitar while they sat there and watched. And uh, I got home to Nashville a few days later and I called a friend of mine. He's the drummer in Three Doors Down. His name is Greg Upchurch. But Greg has also played with Chris Cornell he was the Puddle of Muds drummer back when they were in their heyday. He's played with Heart. I mean, he's just a legendary rock drummer. And now he's with Three Doors Down and been with them for about 10 years or so. And uh, so I called Greg and I said, man, I'm going to send you the song. Tell me what you think. And he called me back probably 10 minutes later. And he said, dude, we need to record this song. He said, that's wow. a really, really great song. He said, wow. and what better way to honor our veterans but to record this song that they wrote uh, in that style. And so having access to those musicians like Greg, I got Josh Paul is on bass. He played with Infectious Groove, Suicidal Tendencies. Now he's out with Daughtry as a uh, Daughtry's bass player. Uh, Chet Roberts from Three Doors Down. Dylan uh, Forrester, who was also a 23-year-old guitar phenom that mm. I recently got introduced to. So he's playing on the record. So I got all these real bad to the bone rock guys in the studio like just a few weeks later and we recorded this song and it really yeah and it really started something bigger than just the one song and we can go into that later if you want to or whatever but that's kind of how inner peace was created and then also on veterans day november 11th this past november 11th i released it as a single fantastic and i love that you described 
all the different steps that went into it because as you were saying that and telling me what they told you, as soon as you mentioned it, I thought, well, there's the hook mm -hmm. right there. They they gave you the hook on a silver platter. But, you know, there's a small part of you that feels guilty, like here's these guys pouring their heart out. And all I can think of is, wow, there's a great hook right there. Yeah. But then you see that, no, this isn't me and my ego saying, here's the hook. I'm going to write a great song. It's God saying, here you go. I need you to use the talents that I bless you with to take their message out to everybody that needs to hear this song and let those people bond over what they know that they have felt and are still dealing with that this song helps them cope with. Right. Right. And, and man, to be honest with you, I've had an outpouring of different folks, not only veterans, but people that suffer from PTSD from other means mm. reach out to me and say, man, that's my story. That song that I just listened to is my personal story as well. How did you know my story? Wow. You know, and, and that was the one thing I, I, wanted to tell Mike and Daniel when we first started writing, I was like, look, I know we want it to be as close to your story as we can get it, but we also need to generalize it enough to where other people will relate to it as well, yeah. because we want the healing power to be broad. Yep. We don't want yep. it just to, even though I want you two guys to be healed, of course, but let's, let's, let's try to reach with a broader stroke, yep. you know? Yep. And, and, and so that, I think we accomplished that. Nice. Nice. Well, um, Let's see. Gosh, where do we start here with all this? You work with a lot of artists, but since we were just talking about one of your songs, let's stay on that subject right now and have you talk about this new album that I alluded to in the intro that you're working on for release next year. Yeah, well, Inner Peace was the start of it, because when we got done with Inner Peace, I could have easily said... There we go, you know, and then start working on something else. But I, I honestly had a, a come to Jesus moment uh, back in the spring when after we recorded Inner Peace, it was just put on my heart to do more of this. Mm. Uh, a lot of veteran friends, uh, male and female both, uh, and PTSD sufferers, they listen to a lot of country and they listen to a lot of rock. And, you know, it just got poured onto my heart that I need to do more of what I did with Michael and Daniel. And so uh, I decided through faith that I needed to record a whole album of this rock therapy type uh, record. But it's going to be a concept album like, you know, they used to do back in the 70s and 80s with rock music. You know, yeah. the album meant something. Yeah. It wasn't just a collection of songs. It actually had a theme. And so this album that I'm doing now, and I've already recorded three songs, I'm about to record the fourth and fifth song, because I'm writing it and recording as I go, is side A is what I call it, because I, I want it to go out on vinyl. So wow. the side A of the album is going to be songs about the lost, people who are lost currently, and their story. So Inner Peace is one of those songs. Mm -hmm. Side B of the album is going to be songs that I'm going to write about hope and redemption that you don't have to stay in that place. There is hope. There is redemption. There is a light. There is something out there for everybody. We all have a purpose. And so it's not going to be preachy. It's not going to be super religious. You know, I don't want it to come across as a Christian record, even though I'm a devout Christian. I want it to come across as just letting people know that you might be in a bad spot right now. But if, if you truly believe in yourself and you surround your people with yourself with people that believe in you as well there is hope and there's a redemption side that you can reach and come out of that bad place 
And so that's what my album is going to end up being that I'm going to release next year. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Well, there's yeah, a song out right now that you produced and co-wrote with Mickey James, who some listeners might know as a WWE superstar. Talk a little bit about that song, but also I know you and her have been working together well before this. So also, uh-huh. also talk about how the two of you first came to work together. Oh, Mickey is awesome. You know, I met Mickey on a similar show like yours. I was asked to call in and do a songwriting segment uh, to a show that was kind of veteran based a little bit about three or four years ago. And uh, I had just released my album, Mississippi Volume One at the time. And the person that was doing the show, I have a song out there called This Bar Is My Church. And that was a real big favorite of hers. And so she asked me to come on her radio show in New York. And so I called in and uh, Mickey James was the co-host and her and I had not even met. And so I was doing this interview with uh, my friend and Mickey and uh, they played this bar as my church. And during the break, Mickey chimed in and said, because it was a live show. So during the break, Mickey Uh chimed in on the headphones and said, man, I really like your writing style. Uh, that song really touched me and I kind of got cocky, not really cocky, but I kind of got, I seen a moment of opportunity. I said, well, if you like how I wrote that song, you should hear some of the female songs I've had written. <laughs> you know? And I said, so if you're looking for songs, I could be your guy to send you stuff. And she said, you know what? I'd love to hear some of your female songs because I'm fixing to do a new record deal. Wow. And so she gave me her contact information uh, while we were on the air. Well, not on the air, but during a break. And uh, I sent her three songs. And then she immediately emailed me back. She said, man, I really like these songs. I'll be in touch. And then I didn't hear nothing for months. Hmm. And I wouldn't, and I'm not the kind of guy, I'm a fan of wrestling. I'm a fan of Mickey James. So I was not going to sit there and try to email her and blast her like, hey, I hope to hear back from you or nothing. I was kind of doing my best to stay out of the situation and forget about it. Sure. And uh, because I'm on God's time. Yep. And, and I learned that being on his time, things work out. And so, uh a few months later, she posted on her Instagram, hey, I signed with Sony. Hmm. And I was like, oh, my God. And then the next day, I get a phone call from her. Wow. And I, I honestly felt like it was a butt dial, be honest with you, because <laughs> this is a television superstar. I mean, she's on TV every week on Monday Night Raw and the yeah. different shows that the WWE have and, and on the pay-per-views. And, and I'm sitting here looking at this call, and I was like, surely this is a butt dial. <laughs> and so I, I texted her back, and I was like, hey, I think you butt dialed me. She said, no, I need to talk to you. Wow. And uh, so I called her back, and she said, uh, my A&R guy will be in touch with you this week. We're going to record your three songs that you sent me Oh, next my gosh. Month. Wow. And so that's kind of where it started. And then uh, as the year and a half and couple of years went on, and she was going into the studio to record – it got to where I'd say, hey, if you need me to send you any more songs, let me know, because I didn't want to bug them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like, look, you're not bugging me. You send me whatever you want, and, and I'll gladly listen. And then uh, and I did. I'd send her some songs, and she would say yes or no. You know, she'd be like, no, nah, I really don't think this is good. And, you know, you kind of get in the habit of, like, saying, well, since she's a wrestler, I should write something about wrestling. Well, you know, <laughs> you learn pretty quick that that's not what they want to sing about, you yeah. know. And so so some of that stuff got passed. And then she called me and she said, hey, I'm coming to Nashville. Uh, maybe we can get together. So I uh, asked her to come to a studio I was working at at the time with my buddy Jamie Perrineau. And uh, we wrote a song called Don't Be Afraid to Fly. 
and she recorded it there with us and she released it as a single and it really did well. I mean, it did well enough to the fact that she had fans tattooing the lyrics Whoa. of our song on their body, Whoa. you know, which was new to me. You know, <laughs> I've never, I mean, I've had songs recorded by a lot of major artists and I've been really blessed on that end, but I've never had, you know, fans post pictures of my lyrics on their body, Yeah, you know? So I'm sitting here going, Oh my goodness, you know? And, but Mickey told me, she said, Sean, that's the power of, of song. That's the power of music. It really touches people. And her and I really started connecting more on a personal level than business. And uh, we become friends. And so in that retrospect, we went from uh, a relationship of, hey, can I pitch you a song to, hey, when are you coming back in town and when are you available on Skype? Let's write. So her and I started writing together. And we decided we should write a Christmas song, which is called Christmas Presents. And Mickey brought the idea to the table. We got on Skype back in, I want to say it was late August, early September. It was right after she had knee surgery. And we got together on Skype and she said, you know, I want to write something about Christmas presents. She said, I really, there was somebody in her family that she missed. And and the holidays always reminded her family of that person. So we wrote. The hook is my favorite present is your Christmas presents. Yeah, I was going to say I wanted the listeners to know that what Sean is saying is presents, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. So I, I like that you just framed it that way about the hook. Yeah, and Mickey was when Mickey said that, I was like, oh, my God, that's the song. It's kind of like the inner peace thing. I was like, man, they're, woo, you know, the angels sing. <laughs> uh, there's the song, you know. So we wrote it, and uh, we went in the studio. I had my buddies from Three Doors Down. I had my buddy Josh Paul. It's pretty much the same band that recorded inner peace, you know, and, uh, we had real bells, you know, there's so the bells that you hear on the record are real and, you know, everything about the song, the shakers, you know, I don't do anything fake. We had the real Christmas shakers or whatever they call it in there with the percussion. And, uh, you know, you think I know those names being, a producer, <laughs> I just, you know, I just go in there with a, my producer mindset is, Hey guys and, and ladies or whoever I'm working with, let's just do what's best for the song. You know, whatever ideas we come up creatively together, let's do what's best for the song. We, we recorded this song, mixed it, mastered it, got it ready for production. And then Mickey's sister, unfortunately passed away at the Mm. age of 33 Mm. at the first of November around the time we were going to release it. Uh, Unfortunately, she passed away from cancer. And I think it was uh, an expect, it was a sickness that they knew about it's just one of those things when you don't know what the timing of everything's going to be. Yeah. And so, uh, so now the song even means more to Mickey because, you know, she's really dedicating the release and the song. She just shot a music video for it the other day. That's going to be out really soon. So everything about the song now is in remembrance of her sister. Beautiful. And, you know, and so she's super excited. I just met with her, uh, day before yesterday and uh, the very first thing she said was, she goes, I can't believe the outpouring of support we're getting on this song, you know, because people know her as a wrestler. Yeah. And she's very blessed by that. Don't get me wrong. And and she appreciates the love of her fans. I mean, she has millions of followers on social media and every day they reach out to her about how much they love her wrestling ability. But to hear those same fans and even people that do, that don't watch wrestling reach out to her and say, man, we really love your music. You know, that's a different kind of feeling that she's really starting to embrace. Yeah. Not only as an artist, but as a songwriter, because she co-wrote the song with me. 
And so it's garnering her a lot more attention in the music field now in the music industry because, you know, I feel like uh, the songs that we are writing now uh, are really, really good. That's you know, fantastic. And so Christmas presents, you know, check it out on uh, all your musical platforms. It's out now. You know, you can judge it for yourself. That's, and that's fantastic. What I tell and uh, let's make sure that, that Daddy also mentions that in addition to producing it and co-writing it, you had another little special touch on that song. Yeah, it's it's a trick. Uh, I say it's a trick. It's not really a trick. But it's something that I try to do any time I can. I bring my daughters. I've got my 14-year-old daughter. Her name's Haley. My 25-year-old daughter, daughter is Samantha. Anytime that I can get them to come in and sing on somebody's record, I do it because they enjoy it. The music business is not something they really want to be in, involved with, but they both know that they have a beautiful voice and they have a gift. And so on Christmas presents, I had my daughter Haley, my daughter Samantha, and a friend of theirs. Her name's Briasia Booker. She's also a 14-year-old and, and goes to school with my daughter Haley. I brought them to the studio. I call them the 100% Dat Fire Choir. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's kind of like a, you know... That, the name of that's kind of a popular theme nowadays. It's a 100% kind of thing. And uh, so I, I, I named them that in the studio. And then they, they're singing the kids' choir on Mickey's record, which is, uh, you know, super blessed to have my daughters singing on yeah. a record. Out I was going to say, as a dad, that's a Christmas present to you, getting to have them on there more than it is for them. Yeah, man, you know, and, 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 the, and the good thing about it is I don't have to uh, – coerce anybody the real good people in the music industry and there are a lot of them you know everybody hears a lot about the bad side of the music industry but there are really good people that are in the, in the business you know they're 100 percent wide open about having children especially if it's your children or their children being involved in music and, and being part of records and things like that i'm i'm very blessed to be able to do that yeah that's awesome well, last mm -hmm. week on the show, my guest was yet another artist that you're working with, Colleen Loy. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned that your new album is going to be a rock concept album. And wow, just from the two songs of Colleen's that we played last week, you definitely brought the rock to her project, including the guys that you mentioned from Three Doors Down and, and oh, Daughtry's yeah. bass player. Y'all really put some muscle into those songs. Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, there was so much, you know, when I had to canvas out and started painting the picture of what I wanted you know, what I thought Colleen's sound should be. Because Colleen hasn't recorded in a long time, even though she should have been. I mean, she's a phenomenal singer, songwriter. And, you know, her pipes just lend over to the rock side. And uh, and I'm sure she's told you a lot about her history in the music. Yep. But, uh, you know, but when I was talking to her about her project, I said, look, I said, we can put all these bells and whistles on there from a production standpoint, but really I want this record to focus on your vocal and that everything else that surrounds it, the motif of it needs to lean toward what you're going to do vocally. And I think we captured that with the, you know, with the big rock guitars and the big drums and then right with her right in the middle Agreed. and this power, you know, with this powerhouse backup vocal and, you know, you might hear me on one of her songs uh, doing some backups. You know, I ain't going to toot my own horn, but you might hear me on a couple of those songs. But, uh, you know, but I wanted it to be her. Like, this is Colleen. 
if she if you go see her live with a band, this is what you're going to hear. There's not going to be a horn section. There's not going to be all this other things that I could have put on a record. Mm. You know that like you know it. other producers might would say, well, man. I would have done this and this. Well, you know, that's why I'm working with her and you're not, yep. you know, because, and I'm not being cocky. It's just, I focused on Colleen and not the music around it, but they, they knocked it out of the park, man. Yeah, my okay. guys just went nuts on it. And, and I'm so blessed to have them in my corner. Agreed. Agreed. And listeners, you know that I've made no secret of the fact that my all time favorite band is rush and rush got to the point where they said, we're not going to do anything in the studio that we can't duplicate live. So I love that you just said that, Sean, I love that you said I could put horns on this and do all kinds of crazy tricks, but people aren't going to be able to go and experience that at a live Colleen Loy show. So they're going to feel like they got cheated. So I, Mm -hmm. I I tip my cap to you for taking that approach. And I'm going to tell you, man, it takes a lot of guts to do that because nowadays you can get a program on a computer that has 1,000 sounds on it. So yep. you can, you know, and, and one of the biggest problems that I have with some of the newer music coming out, and I'm not knocking anybody, man. I'm I'm, I'm grateful to see, like, young, talented people coming up and that we still have a good future in the music, but they tend to overproduce themselves. And then when you go see them do a show, they, they the only way they can create it uh, or recreate it live is they have to sing with tracks. Yeah. Yeah, and to me, and man, if I'm gonna buy a ticket, if I'm gonna spend a hundred dollars, and man, those ticket prices are crazy, but you know, if I'm gonna spend a hundred dollars to go see a, a somebody in concert, man, I better see band up there. That's you right. know, That's I right. better see musicians on the stage rocking it out with that singer. You know, getting entertained. You know, and 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 so I, I think that albums. I think every, you know anybody that puts out an album should represent what they're going to do live on the stage. Yeah, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but to use the old expression, I want it to be live and not Memorex. So, yeah, uh, absolutely. Li- listeners, I guess I kind of dove right in here with Sean and didn't really give a chance for some background to be set. But before I let him do that, I want to speak to those of you who listen every week that are not performers. However, you might still be someone who creates a lot of video content. Yesterday I was meeting with someone exactly like that, and he told me that he just got himself a lavalier mic for his audio for his videos. And if you've heard this show enough, you know that that's what I do when I go out and speak. I use the Tascam DR10L, which has a small recorder that clips onto my belt and records onto a micro SD card, and the result is pro audio sound on my video. On the website for all my speaking engagements, speakerbrucew.com, there's a video on there that you can watch, and three of the four scenes were recorded with that DR-10L from Tascam. And in fact, back on episode 230 of this show, singer, songwriter, guitar player Biebs, who has performed on the Warp Tour, she talked about her use of the DR-10 for audio for her videos too. Find more at Tascam.com, that's T-A-S-C-A-M.com, and then find a dealer. Sean, I've been blessed to get listeners to this show from 149 countries around the world, so some of them are just being introduced to you for the first time. Last week, Colleen Loy talked about being from California but moving to Nashville 20 years ago. Give the listeners a look at your background because you, too, are a transplant to Music City. Yes, sir. I grew up in uh, a little town called Escataba, Mississippi. I graduated from high school, and I went directly to work. I, I Actually, I got out. Uh, when I got out of high school, I spent six months in an uh, electrical trade school, become an electrician. Uh, then I hired on at a shipyard hmm. in Pascagoula, Mississippi, as an electrical pr- apprentice. 
And then uh, I spent a few years at the shipyard, me and my friends, because down where I grew up on the Gulf Coast, the only place you had to work was either at a shipyard or at Chevron or oil refinery or something. And those jobs were hard to come by. Mm. And uh, But the shipyard would hire anybody. So, you know, so as soon as I got out of school, I wanted to have money. Uh, <laughs> I kind of I kind of said no to college and went right to work. And uh, but I kind of skipped over some of the part like but during my home time, still living at home as a teenager, I kind of st- stuffed my dad's guitar out of his room and brought it into my bedroom. And and for one reason or another, my dad never played his uh, acoustic guitar anymore. So I grabbed it and, uh, you know, watching MTV whenever I was home from school or anything, when I was a teenager, you know, I'd pull the guitar out and try to mimic the chords that the people on TV were playing in the music videos. And uh, I never took any lessons or anything, but I pretty much taught myself how to play guitar at the age of 14 and wrote my first song. Wow. And so uh, I dabbled with it. I wasn't like real, you know, into it, into it. So, you know, so when I would get home, if I didn't have a job, I, I worked at a gas station when I was going to high school in the evenings. Uh, but when I wasn't at work or doing anything like that, I'd pull the guitar out and play with it some more and tinker with it every day a little bit, but I just wasn't obsessed with it. But once I got out of high school, started earning a little bit more money, uh, me and my friends would get together at, you know, little bonfires and little parties that we used to go to and all that, we'd all break out our guitars and start playing with one another. Uh And that, that turned into a band, you know, when we were like 19 years old. And, uh, so we started playing around little bars, you know, most of us wasn't even old enough to drink at the time. Uh, you know, we were just 19, 20 year old, but we go play at the bars and, you know, we started out in this little bar called Hurleywood. It was in Hurley, Mississippi. And uh, we knew five songs, and we played those five or six songs over and over again. <laughs> the people that were there listening to us were like, play it again, play it again, you know. And well, we started writing, and then uh, that went on for two or three or four years. And then uh, one of our friends got out of the Navy and came back home. His name's Chris Henderson. We went and grabbed Chris. We was like, we know you still play guitar. Come join us. So he joined our band. And so we kind of had a full real band at that point. We started playing clubs and different other places, a little bit bigger places. And as most bands do, we broke up, you know, uh, certain egos, certain directions. In in my world, me and my uh, wife, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, but me and her were kind of high school sweethearts. We kind of dated on and off through high school. And then after high school, we kind of started dating again. Uh, me and my wife, Melissa, got married, and we had our first child, uh, Samantha, uh, really young. And so, you know, I was like, I'm going to put this music on hold and raise my family mm. and get, get that settled. So, you know, the band kind of broke up, but that band turned into another little band, and then that little band turned into the rock group Three Doors Down. Mm. And so, uh, you know, so I was – I wasn't – managing them or anything they would come to my house and i would record them i had a little uh production studio built in my house in mississippi at the time just a little cheap rig and uh they'd come over and do little demos and then we'd go out and play shows and i'd help them with their sound and all because i already knew all the clubs and i knew the people that ran them so i was kind of helping them you know get booking and stuff like that stuff done and then uh then the next thing i know man they wrote kryptonite and recorded a demo of it and wow. phew, they took off wow. and uh, I was playing country music 
with another band as like a backup singer and acoustic player, nothing serious, but that band introduced me to some people in Nashville. Uh. And so when that happened and three doors down got signed and, and hit the road, I said, you know what? Now's the time for me to leave this town as well and go to Nashville and con- continue my songwriting and my producing that I was doing. There you go. And, uh, we just decided, you know, pretty much in my buddy's trailer that he had, you know, collectively as a group of friends, you know, we decided that we're going to take over the music industry and we're going to use our songs to heal people. You know, this would have been back in 1997, 98, uh, before Three Doors ever took off or anything. You know, that was our goal in life and that was our dream Awesome. was that, that we would have the ability to do that and, and we stuck to our guns and did what, you know, we did the music that we love. Yeah. You know, we didn't try to do something that anybody else wanted us to. And uh, we've, we've all been super blessed, you know. And there's a good side to the music business and a bad side. Sure. Uh, one of one of my friends has passed away from a drug overdose mm. that was in the band. Another one of my friends is in prison now till he's 60. I mean, so mm. it's, uh, wow. uh, you know, there's been some there's been some absolute great times and there's been some tragedy in that whole story, but still at the end of the day, you know, the music lives on. And, and so, and I'm just hoping that we can continue that legacy of healing folks with music. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of relationships, you and I have seen each other at the Pensacola Beach Songwriters Festival and the Frank Brown International Songwriters Festival. Even though the audiences are great at both of those events, I know you've just got to love the spirit of camaraderie around those festivals, what with all the time that you get to spend with other songwriters who, quite frankly, you're too busy to have that kind of time with, unfortunately, when you're in Nashville. Yeah, and and it's you know, just so much love and respect for one another. A lot of people think there's a competitiveness to what we do. And at some point there may be, there is a little bit, uh, but that's just the nature of business. You know, the, the competitive level is usually a little bit higher, you know, higher up the scale. But, uh, but when we all get together, the first thing we do is hug each other and congratulate each other on whatever's going on or, or we pray for one another. If something bad is going on you know and and uh being able to go to these songwriter festivals whether it's in pensacola or or down in orange beach at florabama or i'm going to corpus christi in a couple of months for their songwriters festival i do one in mississippi i do one in a lot of different states uh the main theme of every one of them from the standpoint of the songwriter is just being able to spend time and 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 make up for lost time with our friends who do the same thing we do. We just don't get to hang out when we're in town. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, now it's time for Bruce's bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, whether it's TV, radio, or a podcast, not following through with an interview that you're booked for is not an option. I just published a blog about this last week, Monday, under the headline of Six Reasons Why You Shouldn't No-Show for an Interview. Go to nhte.net and click into the blog section to read it. If you're someone who easily falls into the trap of not being dependable and or comes up with every excuse in the book not to honor your commitments, This is probably affecting you in other areas of the business and not just interviews. 
you need to clean this up right away or you might not find yourself in the business much longer. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Listeners, as busy as Sean is with his own music and all the other artists he's working with, understand that as you're starting to hear, at least from the Songwriter Festival perspective, he does still perform live quite a bit. In fact, tomorrow night, Thursday, December 12th, he'll be in Morgan City, Louisiana, and Saturday night, the 14th, he'll be in Monroe, Louisiana. Plus, there are dates already booked next year as far out as August in the likes of Texas, Florida, and Louisiana. Sean, I, I guess you have figured out how to clone yourself, huh? <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, quite a uh, schedule. Quite a schedule. Uh, I'm, it's awesome, man, because I'm I'm able to, you know, I have a record label and my partner's Universal Music Group, so I have to provide content with my partner for that, you know, partnership. So I have that to do, and plus I'm writing music for not only artists, but I just received a script. I can't talk about it. But uh, I just res- uh, can't talk about the nature of the script, but I just received a script from Hollywood uh, from a screenplay writer and the director uh, for an upcoming movie that a major star is going to be starring in, you know, for putting together some music for that. So, I, you know, I try to do all that during the winter time, <laughs> And then so that when spring happens, I can go out and, and really sell my songs is what I call it. Mm. You know, so I could really go sell my songs to the public because I don't have I don't have an avenue to get my songs on Billboard Radio too much. Me personally, now artists that I work with do mm-hmm. and, and things like that. And but I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to do is the Lord put me in a position to where I can travel the country and play my songs personally to people, whether it's a crowd of ten people or ten thousand people. You know, so I've been putting in positions to be able to do all that. And so I take advantage of it. So this year and last year alone, yeah, I've done 200 plus shows. Wow. And that's that's aside from the fact of uh, the other stuff I'm doing. Yeah. But, you know, we're living in a digital world. And so I can, you know, I can do a lot of my business on the road. Yep. And, so, and now the studio works different. I of course, I'd need to work out of my studio when sure. I'm working on production things. But, sure. uh, but you know, all that stuff can be scheduled. And, you know, I gave it all to God. And I was like, you know what? I don't get overwhelmed. A lot of people come up to me and like, man, how are you not overwhelmed? It's because something higher than me is handling it. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, something yeah. something bigger than me is handling all of it. Yeah. And so... Uh, so if you want to see how to handle it, watch me, because if you watch what I'm doing, you'll see that it's God doing it for me. And so maybe you should reach out to God yourself. Beautiful. That's what I tell people. Beautiful. Yeah, I was just going to say it provides a great opportunity to evangelize. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I there's not a show or anything. There's not a show or any kind of appearance that does not go by where I get asked a question of how do you do it or what is your motivation behind it? 
And what can I do? How can I put myself in the same position that you are in? And every one of them has the same answer. It's God. Yeah, yeah. Every one of them. And I'm not trying to get jesus or real religious on anybody, but when somebody asks me my experience, sure. I'm going to tell them the truth. Sure. And, and that is the truth. Yeah. You know? Well, speaking of where do you find the time, let's go a little bit into a couple of the other hats that you wear, because back in the intro, I mentioned that you're even a publisher. And I had a listener write in and say that they would like to know more about what a publisher should be doing for an artist, because this person said to me that they have one, meaning they have a publisher, but they're afraid that things are not going as they should. So can you speak to that? Yeah, unfortunately... You're not going to find me being a, someone who condones publishing deals because I've had them. I've been paid to write songs. You know, I used to go to a writing house in Nashville from seven o'clock in the morning till five in the afternoon. And I would have three writing appointments a day and I would write three songs a day. And, you know, at the end of every month, I would get a check for doing that, you know, and, and if something hit, you know, I would get paid a writer's share for that and all that stuff. And it was almost like a, like building a car, like an assembly line, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But uh, that was back when people bought records. In today's world, people don't buy records. They hardly even pay for downloads anymore because you can go on Spotify, pay $10 a month yeah. and listen to all the music or Apple or any of them. You can listen to all the music you want all day long, 24 seven for 10 bucks or 11 bucks or however much it is, you know? And so the publisher share has really shrunk to little or nothing. And so the publisher themselves are trying to do whatever they can to bring in revenue streams and the songwriters kind of get left out. And so when they sign publishing deals, you're signing away half of your 0.001 cent to somebody. <laughs> and so, you know, the mathematically, it really doesn't add up. And, and the thing that I've been trying to stress now, look, if somebody wants, if somebody's dream is to get a publishing deal, go for it. This is America. I believe in that wholeheartedly. I would never tell somebody not to sign a deal if that's what their dream and that's what their heart's telling them to do. I would never do that, you know. Uh, but since you asked my opinion, I'm telling you mm -hmm. uh, what I would do is focus more on the publishing business side as the artist and the writer. Because when you say an artist reached out to you, I'm assuming they wrote the songs, but the publisher should be doing more for them. That's what I'm assuming. I could be wrong on that. Because a lot of people that are artists today write their own songs. And so uh, if that's not the case, let me know. But if you're a songwriter, you should really know all aspects of your business. And that includes the publishing side of the business that can, includes the copyright side of the business, how a copyright earns revenue. You should know all that. And, and, and I spent years studying it and the copyright law is what it is. And so there's only so many revenue streams you can get for, for your song. And so I decided years and years ago that I'm going to learn what those revenue streams are and attack them. So I've had songs on the today show in America. And I just got paid for uh, two of my songs being on the Today Show in Australia, which wow. is just as big as America. Wow. Uh, you know, Fox Sports, the Sportsman's Channel, the Outdoor Channel, all these different television channels that have used some of my, my songs that I get revenue stream uh, royalties from. My song that I co-wrote with Marianne Allison, uh, Anna Clifford, and another young lady from Seattle, 
was in a movie category five star in Burt Reynolds, for instance. Mm. And, and so there's uh, publishing streams that come from like overseas performances on the different movies I've written stuff for, uh, including the Burt Reynolds one and all that stuff. And so uh, I started really learning those and attacking them. My pork chop song, which I almost forgot to talk about. Yeah, me and my buddy Cowboy Choi and my friend Michael Garvin, who's another hit songwriter, Michael wrote Waiting for the Night for Jennifer Lopez, for instance. You know, and Cowboy Choi, he's a big, you know, national recording artist with Big and Rich and those guys. And, and Troy's a hip hop artist who does rap and country together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we wrote this goofy song called Pork Chop as a joke. Uh <laughs> About pork chops, you know, and then the next thing, you know, then out of the blue, the National Pork Board hears about it and reaches out to us and wow. and offers us, you know, uh, a nice licensing fee to use it for one month, Amazing. you know. And so we're like, boom, Merry Christmas. Amazing. Uh, had we had our own publishing companies, then we would have gave them, not, if, if not half of our royalties, almost all of it. Because they would have crafted the deal and they would have done all the work. And so they would have expected most of the benefit and the writer would have got their share, which has been one third of the song since there's three writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since we were our own publisher, we were our own record label because we recorded the song and we gave them the content and permission. We got to keep all of the money that was made. Wonderful. So, you know, and so and it's not the difference between me doing what I do and a songwriter that doesn't do what I do. The difference is really not that much between us. It's just I've got my business in order, and a lot of those people don't. Yeah, yeah. So I, I and so what I do is like at these festivals that I'm going to now. I'm doing seminars and teaching songwriters how to approach the business the way I approach it. Great. You know, it's, it's it's and it's it's real simple. It's not hard to do, <laughs> and uh, you know, or you could pay a lawyer to do it, and that's going to cost you a lot of money. You know, yeah. so. Uh, you know, so I'm a huge advocate of trying to bring, trying to get the music business nestled down so that we can do our own business. It also gives us more leverage and it also gives people like, like getting a phone call from Hollywood, for instance, saying, Hey, we're emailing you a script. Can you put music together for us? Had I not had my business stuff in order and put it out there on the street that I I need to be respected as a publisher and and that this is what I do. These people would not send me these scripts. That's right. You know, and so uh, you know, it just takes a little work. And uh, people with artistic abilities, uh, you know, well, it takes away from my artistry. Well, I'm here to leave a legacy and provide for my family. You know, and so if I'm going to get in a business, any business the least you could do is learn the business, you know? That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. And so sure. that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. I absolutely. hope I didn't ramble on too long, no, but uh, that's, that's, that's very that's insightful. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's good insight. Listeners. I'm joined today on the now hear this entertainment guest line by singer, songwriter, guitar player, producer, and publisher, Sean Gassaway. Visit his official website at seangassaway.com. You can look at the title of this episode on your listening device to get the proper spelling of his last name. Although, I will also put a link to his website on the show page for this episode at nhte.net. He is very much on social media, so yes, on his website you will find icons to click on to engage with Sean on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Of course, do purchase his music, which is available through his website or on iTunes. You can also get his original music at his live shows, so do utilize seangassaway.com to see when and where you can go see him perform live 
and then purchase his music on site as you hear him perform it. Speaking of purchases, we are really in the heart of the holiday shopping season now, so be reminded that anything at all that you're going to purchase through Amazon, and this applies any time of the year, by the way, start first by going to my show website, nhte.net, and look for the tall Amazon banner. You'll have to scroll down a good bit for it. Click on that banner, and if you're on your phone, it will open their app, or if you're on your computer, it will take you to their website. Either way, once your transaction is complete, they will kick back a small percentage of the sale to me at no extra cost to you. And in the process, thank you. You have helped me with the expenses that I incur for Now Hear This Entertainment. This is my new release. These episodes that I put out week after week, month after month, year after year, we're up to episode 305 now with Sean. So 305 weeks in a row now, I have put out a new release. This is what I create. So I would love your support of it which you can do through Patreon at whatever amount you can afford. And in the process, you'll not only be helping me with the costs of doing this show, but you'll also be showing me that you do find value in what I'm putting out, be it educational value and learning from me and my guests and or entertainment value. Just go to nhte.net and click on the orange colored support us on Patreon button. There's a short video there for me that you can watch and more information to learn about getting involved with that. Uh, Sean, it sounds like you, you obviously have a very full plate, including a very full stable of artists that you're working with. What about the up-and-coming performer who hears this interview and says, wow, I would love to work with a guy like that? Because last week, Colleen Loy talked all about networking, but if someone is quote-unquote shopping for a producer, can they just quote-unquote cold call you? Or is it a case of, I'm too busy, I'm not taking anyone new right now, or maybe it's yeah, Colleen's right, I've got to know them already or know someone who knows them? Or or would you, in fact, take on someone from a cold call if you check them out and you like who they are and what they're doing? This is my approach, and it's super simple. I listen to everyone that sends me a message about uh, their music, uh, and there's a reason behind it. And most people in the music business do not do this. But when I first moved to town, there was a limited amount of people that would even give me the time of day to listen to my music. It was a really big struggle and it can really, you know, hit you to your core, you know, and and make you think, am I really good enough? You know, should I have done this and all that stuff? And it puts a lot of doubt in you, but it was always put on my heart that if anybody reaches out to me, I need to listen to them. And so I've stuck with that. From day one. And to be honest with you, folks like Dan Mitchell, who was one of my best friends, he wrote the song, If You're Going to Play in Texas, You Got to Have a Fiddle in the Band for Alabama, for instance. Mm -hmm. That was one of his many big hits. Mm -hmm. You know, Dan gave me my first legitimate songwriting shot as a songwriter uh, many, many years ago. Uh, He gave me uh, the opportunity to have my first Billboard hit with Stomp. They ended up getting licensed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. They still use it every Sunday, even this season. Every Sunday you can hear my Stomp song at a Steelers game. And that's paid, you know, that's paid off over and over and over again, whether it comes to shows or royalties or whatever. But if it hadn't been for somebody like Dan – giving me an opportunity to send them something to listen to, I would have never had that shot. Uh, And so I just, I do it like this, you know, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, uh, my, my website, SeanGassaway.com. And it's just like gas away. Like if you're going to give gas away, that's how you spell my last name. So SeanGassaway.com, it has a contact link. You can send me 
Uh, I know using the contact, it comes directly to me. Uh, I do have people that help me organize my daughter. You know, she helps me with my business. She may do some things on Facebook and stuff for me, but at the end of the day, it still reaches me. And if there's an up and coming artist or anybody that wants to approach me and talk to me, I'm all ears. Now, you may not like what I tell you after I hear the song, <laughs> but you know, so, and, and, and that's, that's the trade off yeah. for approaching somebody and you want their honest opinion about your music. I'm not going to ever be ugly. Never. Yep. Yep. But in this world, it's so competitive that the cream of the crop has to rise. So you still sure. have to be super objective when you speak to folks about their music. Sure. But, you know, if you can't accept uh, criticism, then you shouldn't reach out to anybody. You shouldn't even be in the business. Yeah. Yeah. You I know, was just going to say that then you're in the wrong business. Yeah. Even a chef, you know, if a chef's not to, uh, if a chef's not down with his recipe, he shouldn't let people try mm. and get their opinion on. That's a it, you good know? comparison. The, I like that. And the way it, and the song is the same way. I like you that. Know? I like that. And that's the way I look at it. So yeah, if you're out there listening and you want to reach out to me about your music, I am all ears. I promise you, I will give you a fair listen. Uh, it may take me a minute. I can't listen at that very second. But I always listen. I always provide feedback. And I have worked in the past with people I've met from cold emails or cold yeah. messages on yeah. Facebook uh, if I truly believe in them. Because our kids, I really believe in working with kids in music mm-hmm. because they're so inundated right now with being able to push one button on a computer and making a song. You know, I want to make sure that they know that there's a bigger process than that that the guitarist that lives right down the road from you that you may not have met yet, or or there may be a kid at school that plays guitar that you don't know yet. Those relationships still need to happen because if they don't, we're not going to ever have another Rolling Stones. That's we're right. not going to, you know, we're not, you know, it's just, so I truly believe in our children and I'm not talking about little kids. I'm talking about our teenagers and, and after teen, you know, the 18, 19, 20 year old, folks that really don't know how to get their music out there if you're listening feel free to holler at me because i can give you if i don't even if i don't work with you i can give you advice because we need our young people to continue making great music so that healing can happen from music it's bigger than just somebody down the road listening to your song we want to heal people and that's what i'm about yeah nicely said and god bless you for that approach because it is a darn rare thing to hear somebody say, "Go ahead, hit my website. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and go ahead and email me." So, so God bless you for that approach. Yeah, man. I did want to ask you because we keep talking about Sean Gasaway, Sean Gasaway, Sean Gasaway. Who slash what is gasoline that that the listeners might see as they hit some of your social media and stuff like that? Gasoline was a nickname given to me from a cat in L.A. He just said every time I touch a song, it catches fire, <laughs> and and uh, and you know I got some really good advice. I had my first pop cut, a major pop cut. I've had a pop cut before, but I'm talking about from a major artist. I had my first pop cut this year, but her name's Annalise Hoveda. She released my song back around middle of October. It's called Breakaway. Uh, she's just turned 16, but she was in the movie Wrinkle in Time with Oprah last year. Mm. She's a Disney radio artist. She's on Nickelodeon. She's on all these kid TV shows and stuff. And uh, I was super blessed that my song reached her and her team out in LA and they decided to record it as her single. They shot a, they just released a music video. So make sure you look up Annalise Hoveda breakaway 
and you'll hear my song. I wrote it by myself. I wrote it for my daughters. Wow. Wow. But, uh, but when I was talking to the record label people that are involved around her, even before I met Annalise and got my song that I knew it was going to be the single, we were having this conversation and they were like, man, you do realize that a lot of pop and rock artists, especially the younger ones, want to work with somebody that has a nickname. And it's goofy <laughs> as it sounded. I mean, I'm not a young chicken, you know, I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm up there in age. I ain't going to tell anybody how old I am, but I'm up there in age. It was kind of weird to me at first, but when I realized that they were telling the truth, it was a complete business decision. Yeah. And then when, when that guy said, man, I'm going to start calling you gasoline. Cause every time you touch a song, it catches fire. You know, I said something to my daughters about it, my wife, and they were like, man, that's a really cool nickname. And so uh, I started using that as my rock and pop producer nickname or alias or whatever. Yeah, I like and it. And then uh, I do too, man. And yeah, it's caught gotta, on because yeah, you got to uh, embrace it. A lot of people have started hashtagging gasoline uh, nice. on, on their Instagrams and socials. And, and uh, the folks out in L.A., uh, even when the screenplay writer hollered at me, you know, he hollered at me as gasoline, you know, cause it, it's kind of <laughs> caught on a little bit. It's, it's, it's definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and say it's cool to me. It's still kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I just, I'd never went by an alias before, so I'm still kind of learning how to get used to it, yeah. but it, you know, but it hadn't changed me as far as, you know, what my goals are, what, what my gift is to do here on this earth, which is to heal people with music. And if they got to call me gasoline to get healed from it, then so be yeah, it. You know? Yeah. That's a great attitude. Yeah, man. Listeners, as, as you heard before from the question that I asked Sean about what a publisher should be doing, I do love getting your emails. You can write to me anytime at podcast at nhte.net. I recently heard from the publisher of the access Vegas newsletter telling me he's working on some cool new stuff that hopefully I can pass along to you real soon. In the meantime, I was reading the latest issue of that and saw that Paula Abdul has launched a residency at the Flamingo Hotel. You might recall that back on episode 169 of the show, I interviewed Buck Johnson, the keyboard player for Aerosmith. Well, the latest issue of the Access Vegas newsletter had an item taking you inside Aerosmith's Deuces Are Wild Las Vegas set list. There's also something on the 10 best celebrity chef restaurants on the Las Vegas Strip. There's stories about a 1920s speakeasy coming to Las Vegas soon and a 17,000-square-foot karaoke bar that's opening on the Las Vegas Strip. You can read about all these items and more. Go to my show website, nhte.net, and click on the Access Vegas logo. And then at sign up, put in the code BRUCE to get $5 off. You'll get access to their archives, too, so you can read what was in back issues as well. Again, go to nhte.net, click the Access Vegas logo, and be sure to use the promo code BRUCE at sign up to get $5 off. Sean, we're almost out of time, but I do want to give you a chance to mention some of the other artists that you're writing, producing, or maybe even performing with. You just mentioned one there. We already mentioned Mickey James and Colleen Loy, but anyone else that you want to give a shout out to and just mention before we wrap things up here? You know, I've been really blessed. I just finished mastering Ricky J. Taylor's new album. If you don't know who he is, he's an incredible folk Americana songwriter. So y'all should look him up on social media. Uh, I didn't produce his record, but I have a mastering studio as well. And so like Cowboy Troy, we're doing his new album and I'm producing some with him. So a lot of these artists and record labels, Sony and Universal as well, send me uh, their final mixes to master. 
And so I've been doing a lot of that. And uh, But I'm just getting prepared for next year. Uh, got a lot of shows coming up. Mickey James and I has just launched our new record label together. And so uh, we're putting her new music, getting it ready for 2020 to release next year. I've been doing stuff with my buddies in Three Doors Down. The 20-year anniversary of Kryptonite is next year. So ah. you will see some new music from Three Doors Down and a tour that starts later in the summer. Nice. Uh, so I'm going to give a shout out to my buddies in Three Doors for that. Uh, it's a milestone that we're excited. I'm excited for them that they reached. For sure. So, man, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. And, and Bruce, uh, I'm, I met with one of your artists at the uh, Frank Brown, and, and uh, I'd love to talk to her and her husband some more about their music. It seems like she had a really great story. Uh, and uh, So, I mean, there's just a whole lot of things going on right now that I'm super excited about. Beautiful. You know, and Peyton Smith, he's another young man that I've, been really blessed to write with he just got signed with a uh, big machine he just hit a million streams on his new ep uh i seen him wow. post that yesterday and i hung out with him a little bit at the frank brown wow uh again so uh there's a and he's a young kid he's like 19 so you know i'm i'm just really excited about some of the stuff i'm i'm being able to work with you may hear the mention of a uh, young man named cash harrington coming up in the near future he's out in l.a uh, 13-year-old singer-songwriter who is amazing. Mm. And so, uh, you know, there's some things coming down the line that uh, I'm excited to be a part of. Wonderful, for sure. wonderful. Well, we're going to close today with another song of yours, one called She Blew Me Away, which, by the way, listeners, this song hit number nine on the BBC Country Airplay charts a couple years ago. Sean, before mm-hmm. I let you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. I wrote this with a couple of buddies of mine uh, many years ago when I uh, I went to Spain. It's kind of funny. I went to Spain for a retreat, and while I was there, I met some uh, industry folks over in Europe, and uh, I played them the song that me and my buddies wrote, She Blew Me Away. And uh, they was like, oh, man, what a hit song. And so I actually ended up getting a record deal with a label in Ireland. Wow. And uh, so I came back to the States, recorded it, Along with my album, Mississippi Volume 1, it was one of the tracks off of my album, and it's still available on iTunes and all that. I recorded it, uh, sent the label, the record, and they chose She Blew Me Away as a single and, you know, did radio promotion behind it. And, man, it just kind of skyrocketed overseas and ended up topping out uh, December 2016. It hit number nine on the BBC Country Airplay charts. And then uh, it bled over into Australia and a few other countries and did really well. And then there's, I play it, I still play it today. I played it at the show the other night and had a hundred people in a listening room singing it with me. Uh, <laughs> it did get some American radio play, but it didn't hit Billboard or anything like some of my other songs have. But it hit radio enough that some people recognize it when I play it out. So uh, other than, you know, most people want to hear Stomp and Pork Chop. That's the stuff they've heard <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> But uh, she, you know, in America, but she blew me away, really did well overseas, and I'm very proud of that song. Outstanding, outstanding. Sean, great to talk to you, my friend. Thanks for your time. Congratulations on all your success. God bless you, and uh, we're getting close, so I will say Merry Christmas as well. Yeah, Merry Christmas to you and, and to all your listeners. And, uh, you know, y'all make sure y'all uh, keep listening in to Bruce's show. It sounds like I'm number 305. I'm excited about that. And uh, so y'all make sure that y'all keep the show going, uh, donate, tell all your friends, share all the episodes and uh, come to my website and check me out.
Thank you. Thank you. Listeners, that will do it for this week's episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, producer, and publisher Sean Gassaway. Do check out his website at seangassaway.com and then engage with him on social media. So that means like his Facebook page, follow him on Twitter and Instagram, and then subscribe to his YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell him you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Purchase Sean's music on his website or through iTunes or at his live shows. When and where are his live shows? Well, visit seangassaway.com for all the details. As I mentioned before, tomorrow night, Thursday, December 12th, he'll be in Morgan City, Louisiana. And Saturday night, the 14th, he'll be in Monroe, Louisiana. Plus, there are dates already booked next year as far out as August in the likes of Texas, Florida, and Louisiana. A reminder about helping support me in this show. I am, for all intents and purposes, a one-man operation doing all the writing, recording, and editing of this show, as well as booking the guests, doing the promotion for it, and so on. As a result, I'd love your help with the costs associated with producing a new episode every week. I'm optimistic that you're getting value from listening and subscribing to this show, educational value, entertainment value. It would mean a lot to me if you would say so by contributing through the Patreon for Now Hear This Entertainment. Find it by going to the show website, nhte.net, and clicking on the orange-colored Support Us on Patreon button. You can give in whatever amount you wish. And then also, as I mentioned before, any time at all that you're purchasing anything from Amazon, you can help the show that way too, meaning go first to nhte.net, scroll down, and click on the tall Amazon banner, and voila, you're off. If you're on your phone, it'll automatically open the Amazon shopping app for you, or if you're on your computer, it'll open their website Either way, once you complete the transaction, they'll kick back a small percentage of the sale to me to help with this show's expenses. And not only is it no extra cost to you, but I don't even see how much you spend or what you bought. So you get to help me out and the show without it being a direct expense to you. That's going to do it for episode 305. Thanks so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Sean Gassaway. This is the one he just talked about. It's called She Blew Me Away. There she was, lying on a blanket, with the radio up and cranking, cool shades in a paper bag. Man, I wish I had a girl like that. Summer song drifting through the air, southern breeze blowing through her hair, and when she smiled at me, she blew me away. up and down her back then i don't know what happened next she put her arms around my neck and when she kissed my lips she blew me away
she blew me away. Blew me away.